Welcome to the Financial Coaches Network, a show to help financial coaches build and grow successful coaching businesses by focusing on the three pillars, getting clients, working with clients, and running the business. I'm Garrett Fulbin. Over the first four years as a coach, I grew a successful financial coaching business to over 80K in annual revenue. And I'm Joshua Escalante Troche. As a tenured professor of entrepreneurship and a consultant, during the past two decades, I've helped more than a thousand entrepreneurs start and grow their businesses. So get that pen and paper ready or open up the notes app on your phone. It's time to build your ideal financial coaching business. Right. Well, let's dive into a fun conversation then. This one is, uh, I won't say it's a doozy, but it's definitely one that can be challenging. And this is how to navigate when couples fight or argue during their sessions. So this came up both based on posts that had come up in the financial coaches community and, well, my own experience. Uh, I was telling Josh before we went live that Earlier in my coaching career, I've never had anyone like get into a shouting match on mm-hmm. any of my calls, but definitely have had passive aggressive swipes at each other that earlier in my coaching career, they just would kind of snowball. I was worried about addressing them and that, you know, one person would be snippy and then the other person, another person, another person. And that didn't work out very well. Mm-hmm. So Hopefully we can use this as an opportunity to speak to younger me. I'm sure I will still get some things out of it as today me and help address this because uh, it's something that I think is a matter of when, not a matter of if, if you're working with two people in the room, potentially just to varying degrees. So I'm excited to dive in and Josh, hear what your experiences and uh, thoughts are along this as well. So I've never had a actual yelling match, but I have had the same idea of the only reason why this is not a yelling match right now is because I'm sitting here. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Right. And, you know, sometimes it's important to recognize that, that some realize that you are always going to be a calming influence, not calming internally of what's going on to the person, but calming of how they are presenting their emotions. Right. And so there, there could be more going on inside the person's head than, than is being outwardly expressed because of your presence there. Right. So yeah, I've never had a, a yelling match either, but I have definitely had one where I could probably tell that this would have been if, if I wasn't in the room, if I wasn't present. Yeah. And it, this is not anything where you've done anything wrong, right? This is not anything where, oh, you screwed up and that's why this is happening. And that's important to have that perspective walking in. Uh, couples are going to have their issues. Uh, if you are working, it doesn't matter what your target market is, unless your target market is single people, <laughs> you're probably going to have some clients that are going to be couples at varying stages of relationship. And you are going to have some of those clients who money is a hot button. It's a trigger. It's an issue between them. And even if they blame you for it explicitly, it's important to realize that, yeah, you probably could have done things better, blah, blah, blah. But the core underlying thing was not because you brought something up. The core underlying thing was something that already was there. 
right? Mm-hmm. And we want to get better about how we bring things up and how we go about it. But don't take on that, oh, I'm causing this fight in their relationship mentality. And that's really easy to, when you hear that, say, oh, yeah, I would never do that. In reality, it's a lot harder, especially if some of the anger starts getting directed at you because you are the messenger. <laughs> exactly. And if there's a lot of emotional charge behind it, it's hard in that moment to not oftentimes take it on or get defensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, great points. Yeah. So, yeah, so let's talk about how to respond. <laughs> Just, you know, in that moment, what to do. And the first thing that you want to realize is that no matter what your perspective is, no matter how it's being presented, don't take sides for a couple of reasons. Okay. The first reason is that when you take sides, you alienate one side of the party. They immediately shut down. Yeah. And that is neither good for the ongoing coaching, nor is it good for your business. Because now you've got one person who wants to cancel the contract, (laughs) right? And you may be bringing your own biases into it. And there's the other side, right? Which is whatever side you're going to take, you are taking the wrong side. (laughs) It doesn't matter which side you take because you only know what you're being presented you are completely unaware of previous experiences that if you knew them, you might totally agree with the person that you disagree with. Great point. And you have your own personal biases that you might come into and be siding with a person partially because you identify with them more, right? And we tend to side with people we identify with, right? And so those are the things that we want to sort of realize is that taking sides is going to be problematic, both from a business and from a coaching perspective. The second thing is when people are escalating, as you described, right? When people are moving from this to this, to this, to this, that generally happens because Each side is not feeling heard by the other side. And here is something where you absolutely can do something. And if you're experiencing that escalating, you're not doing it well enough. You cannot control whether the husband is listening to the wife, whether the wife is listening to the husband, whether the wife is listening to the wife, right? Whatever the combination is, you can't control the other two people, but you can control yourself. And you can, when you see that escalating happen, don't call them out on it. Don't say, hey, let's, let's put away the measuring sticks where you're all measuring each other, right? Instead, say, Let, let's pause for a second because I'm getting the sense that you guys are not as far apart as you think you are. There just may be some miscommunication in how you're communicating, mm-hmm. right? So, right? I love that. It's it's yeah, it frames it rather than here's what's dividing you as to here, we're going to focus on actually where the points of commonality are. Yeah. Now, I would, not that you're saying this, but just pointing it out, like not mm-hmm. force people to kumbaya is not what you're saying, right? So it's not like, let's just try to make this all be better. Yeah. <laughs> trying to paper over something when people aren't feeling heard isn't going to work, yeah. but just making sure to point out that nuance. Not Yeah, it, framing it from... Yeah, there's obviously something going on here, so we're not going to ignore it, exactly like you said, but 
you're both on the same team, <laughs> right? Without saying that, because that starts to make people feel like, well, what do you mean? I'm not acting like I'm being on the same team, right? And then once we sort of deflate that, where we where we say, you know, I think that there's something, you know, more communication rather than you guys are wrong. Either of you is wrong, right? Then say, so what I want to do is, because I don't, I don't know all the history. I don't know. So to kind of fall on your sword, I am the ignorant person here. You guys know a heck of a lot more than I do. So I'd like to, I'd like you each to help me to understand each of your, what each of you are saying, because I'm probably misinterpreting things, right? So that I understand it from my perspective. And so I, I want to ask each of you questions. And I want to focus not on what anyone else said, right? So we're not, I want to really focus on making sure that I understand what you're thinking and what your concerns are. I love that because then they're talking to you and explaining to you rather than, and here's why you don't get me or here's why you're wrong. And this is why I'm not hurt. Yeah. Right? So it's a, it's a really great way of taking what is this and then being able to reroute that energy somewhere else and get away from that escalation directed at the other partner. Exactly. And then, of course, when that happens, number one, the person who gets to explain themselves fully, and each person gets to do it. No interrupting. Person, right? No interrupting. So the person that gets to explain themselves fully, they feel at least heard by you, fully heard by you. So now they, some of that pressure has been taken away because someone hears me. And each gets to do that. And each gets to just listen and not listening from a perspective of feeling defensive, but being a fly on the wall, listening to a conversation almost in a disembodied manner. Right. Now, this only works if you are good at when someone says, well, they just so we'll get to all of that later. Don't say you're doing it wrong, right? We'll get to all of that later. Right now, I, I'm worried less about right how you guys are interacting and more about just what you are, what your goals are, what you're worried about, right? Not not in relation to the other person because we can get to that later. I want to focus on each of you individually first, and then we'll talk about the connection. I just want to point out that this is this is challenging stuff. Do you? Not, I mean, yeah. No, I, I don't want to. Like you're talking about it very calmly and just like, oh, this is what you do. And like, it takes a lot to get to that point in a client, you know, especially when that client conversation is heated, because you may have your own stuff that's get own buttons that are getting pushed. Like with your relationship, if you're having some issues yeah. in your own relationship, like it can get triggered there. It's, you know, it's, it's holding space, being comfortable, addressing conflict. Again, earlier yeah. in my coaching career, when I was like, oh, I want to step away. This is scary because I was raised in a household that like was totally passive aggressive and never acknowledged conflict. Yeah. So like this to get to this point does, I don't want to say require a lot of work in terms of like, this is hard and has to be challenging, but it's not natural. I think for a lot of us, it's not something yeah. that just is easy and it takes active work. And I do want to say it's hard. Because I don't want people to feel like if they're struggling with it, that they're somehow failing, right? It, no, it, it is hard. I think that what you're trying to get at is don't feel like it's too hard for you to be able to accomplish, right? You're not going to accomplish it quickly. It may take a long time. 
but don't feel like this is going to be so hard that I should just give up on coaching. And I think that's a really important thing to say. And at the same time, it's like all these it hard and conflicting yeah. things. Yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. And there's this balancing act of sort of the raw, raw, you can do it, but also creating a reality. And maybe this is a something for an entirely other topic of how do how do you because we have this balancing act ourselves, right? With everyone here. But how does a coach, and we can talk about this in another live, how does a coach balance with that, with the raw, raw versus the reality? Great idea. Let's get back on topic. Yeah. And, and I would also say that you will get to do this faster. And I'm not saying it's going to be fast. It may take years to develop good skills in this, but you will get to do this faster in other people's relationships than will than you will in your own. So be careful about judging yourself from the perspective of your own relationship. I will tell you right now, I am infinitely better <laughs> at this with other people's relationship than I am with myself and my wife. Right? Yeah, it's the truth. Yeah. So, you know, just, just have a very realistic understanding of you can do it, but it's just going to take effort. It's going to take intentional practice. It's going to take time and it's going to be hard, but that doesn't mean it's impossible for you. It doesn't mean that it's a struggle that is going to stop you from being successful. Gotcha. Yeah. So I'm just looking at Emily. That's a comment came up face. Um, Yeah. Well, this, she mentioned that Ramit Sethi has a I Will Teach You To Be Rich podcast, apparently, that he is, she says it's mostly him just coaching couples and explaining, like, what's going on and why he said what he said, which mm-hmm. is cool. Yeah. I have not heard the podcast, so this is talking completely from my experience with his previous work, right? right? And his podcast may be amazing and perfect and everything else, but I think it, since Ramit Sante has come, uh, has come up, I think it's important to also consider how you present Ramit's work, especially his early work, which is what I've mostly been exposed to, is just dripping with testosterone. Right? I mean, you feel the testosterone in it. And, and realize yeah, sure that, since then, I don't know. Some humans do, right. some humans yeah. don't. TBD yeah, and so, Emily can tell us. Yeah. So I have no idea. But if you realize, so let's 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 assume that he's matured, he's in a great place. But let's talk about his dripping with testosterone early work, and that is, and realize that, and that's not to say that Ramit should change himself because he's got a target market. He goes after it. Awesome. Right. And people who don't respond to that are an issue, but also realize that how you present ideas can start to alienate one side. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's okay to say, if that's the case, that's not the right client for me. Totally fine. But just have that presence of awareness and make sure you're making that conscious choice and not accidentally alienating half of your clients. Meaning this is a client, which is a couple and half of that couple is alienated. Um, and I'm not trying to pick on Ramit. It's more the concept, but it's if you read his early work, I mean, it is literally dripping with testosterone. Testosterone? Yeah. Um, yeah. Bro testosterone? No, it was a bit of a stretch. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. but good overall concept, right? So whether for Ramit or someone else, or understanding who is delivering the message and how they deliver that message. 
Yeah. And things can be dripping with all sorts of stuff, right? Things can be dripping with feminism, things can be dripping with socialism, capitalism, right? Whatever it happens to be. All the isms. Yeah. Hopefully you're not dripping with racism. That would be an ism that I would say should not be involved in coaching. Just I'm going to take a stand. Sexism would be bad. Classism. Sexism? Yeah. Most, well, most isms actually are generally bad because you're taking a particular perspective. And in those cases, probably one that's very, very uninformed. Yeah. So mostly stay away from isms. Maybe just a good blanket. We could probably dive into that more. But I think that's a pretty yeah. broad statement. That's Boy, we're yeah. taking some real, real tenuous stands here, ethical stands. Yeah, yeah very yeah. much so. Yeah. Don't be a terrible human being. Right. Anyway, Diamond had a great question, which is, yeah. is the approach the same if the wife sides or agrees with the coach and the hu- husband feels some sort of way? It's like not having him feel like we're ganging up on him could be challenging. And so, yeah, right. and that is like you're siding with one side versus the other. That's the big thing. And I'm going to repeat myself from the launch office hours earlier today, but we all professional service providers, right? We need to take a a page from marriage counselors, which is you don't side with one side or the other unless it is egregious. So your default is you don't side with either side. Because of exactly partially, there's a whole bunch of other reasons, but partially that issue of if you're doing that, if you're siding with, in the case of the example, the wife and the husband, the husband is going to feel ganged up on. Going back to that is going to be bad for the success of coaching, not going to be great for their relationship, and it's going to be bad for your business. And so it's very important that. And you should have a very small window for what counts as egregious. That you don't side with one side or the other. Generally speaking, most of the times when I'm an observer watching people side with one side or the other, what I'm observing is that the person's bias is leading them to side with one side. Mm -hmm. And the logical, rational statements for why they're siding with the side they're siding with really are based in a lack of nuance or a lack of really understanding what the other, what the other side is saying, or a la- there's something that's lacking and their biases tend to lead them to that. So as an example, yeah. right? use this example before I kind of love this example. If you want me to give a different one? I'll, I'll give a different one, but couple wants to put in a pool for the kids wife wants to you tell me which one do you want to be the responsible person let's have the wife be the responsible person i think that's what we had in the office hours example yeah so wife wants to be uh wants to save up for it husband wants to take out a a second mortgage to put in the pool right Mm -hmm. well for many people the response to that is why would you take out debt in order to put in a pool, uh, uh, you know, you should be saving up for things. Debt is bad, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so that those biases will kind of play out with regard to, oh, well, here are all the reasons why you should be saving up. Except if it's going to take five years to save up to put in that pool, 
and you're putting in the pool for the kids to have something to do with the kids, then why are you saving up for five years and losing five years of the purpose of the pool? Because there's going to become a point relatively soon known as the teenage years where they're not going to want to swim with you. They'll use the pool, just not with you anymore. And then there's going to be a point, the college years, where they're not going to use the pool anymore. So you do have this short window of time where even putting it in makes sense, right? If it's the purpose is for the kids. And we may automatically go to saving because that is what's been ingrained. That's the bias. That's the focus. Not understanding the other person's perspective. And they may not have expressed it very well. They may not have said this was the reason. They just said, look, I just want to get it in now. And, and I don't care if we have to pay interest for it. But they could have very legitimate reasons underlying what appears to be a very immature perspective. And really, it's a very mature perspective. They, they just may not have expressed it well, or the other two may not have heard it well. <laughs> yes, to that last point. Great question coming in from Jake. He said, mm-hmm. what about a situation where you as the coach make a recommendation and one side agrees strongly and the other doesn't? Mm-hmm. How do you avoid kind of the taking sides or ganging up dynamic under that particular set of circumstances? So two ways. Method number one is to realize that you are not the Pope. You are not infallible. Just because you made a recommendation does not mean it's necessarily the right recommendation. And so always leave that door open, right? To listening to the other side and being willing to change your recommendation based on what they're saying. Secondly, is that I would want to understand why they don't want to take it, right? There may be some psychological work that needs to be done. They may have very legitimate reasons for not wanting to take it. There may be other implications in their lives, right? That that they don't want to take it. And there may be information that you are not aware of that would actually make your recommendation be a bad recommendation. And so the first thing is to realize that your recommendation may be wrong. And the second thing is, yeah. yeah, to find out why the other side doesn't want to take it so that you can then address that, including being willing to go back to point number one, your recommendation may have been wrong and finding out why the other side doesn't want to take it may help you to see why it was wrong. I was going to say it's like the falling on the sword approach has come up a couple different mm-hmm. times in this. And I don't mean falling on your sword To me, that sometimes means like taking responsibility when you don't have to. But in that example, like you may actually have the recommendation may not be great or information may have changed. And so, yeah, I was just wanted to give that caveat where like, yes, fall on your own sword, but also not in this case, it could just be not a great recommendation. And that's okay. I think taking ownership, people don't expect infallibility. They they expect it of themselves, just not of anyone else. (laughs) (laughs) So you're working with those kinds of clients, eh? Okay, good to know. Yeah. So I I got nowhere else to go with that. So it's all you, Josh. Take it away. I would say that to add to that, the faster you came to the recommendation, the more likely it is wrong. Speed and accuracy very rarely go together in anything. <laughs> and I think when you're willing to accept that you could be wrong, being like acknowledging that, it's like, mm-hmm. oh, I, 
this and I'm a big fan of calling out what's in the room and yeah. getting better. That's just like, hey, I feel like I put together a recommendation or presented this and that like doesn't take into account what's important to you. Or like, I obviously didn't gather mm-hmm. and understand and really listen and hear everything that you shared that was important to you because we aren't lining up here, right? So that's yeah. on me. I want to take the time to just like hit pause and you know, just checking with the other spouse. Is it okay if I just kind of hear what's coming up for spouse B? I can better understand how I missed the mark on this. Yeah. And let me take another step even further. I have, I'm going to talk about something that isn't, is beyond coaching uh, potentially, but um, depending on, especially depending on your state. But the the concept is going to be helpful, I believe. So I had a client who is makes so much money that this should not be an issue, right? But the cost of disability insurance was uncomfortable for them. Again, the amount of money that this person makes, this should not have even been a register on the person's radar, right? But it was. And so I say, hey, I, so. When, we, when I talked about this recommendation, which was actually important based on their financials, based on the liquidity they had, based on their goals, based on everything that we were looking at, including the potential risk of losing money because this particular client was divorcee, so a single income family, all of this stuff and it, the recommendation to get disability insurance, absolutely Right. Right. Still stand by that 100%. Wasn't really excited. Say, you know what? What I'd like you to do is just get quotes. Don't, we're not going to buy disability insurance. I'll give you a company that I work with who will not hound you. They will not do any of these types of things. They'll just go through the process and give you a quote. Because right now we're guesstimating at what we're worried about. Let's actually take a look at it. So that was step number one. Right, just ask them to take a minor step that's not commitment. And that's oftentimes once they see the reality and once they've had time to go through the process and once they've had time, that cha- that often they decide to sit with the idea. And once they've taken some actions toward it, that can sometimes soften that resistance. Yeah, because a lot of times when no action is taken and there's it's easy to like build up in your head why it's not a bad work. thing that this is gonna be. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So that's, that's, that's option number one. And I think it's a good option. I stand by a recommendation for everyone to do that. Then the client got the quotes and said, yeah, yeah, I still don't like it. Right. And they found out that they have a life insurance policy with a disability rider that is way, way, way less than they need. I said, good news. I'm covered. Right. So here's the reality. It is absolutely the right recommendation. They absolutely need it. And they are not going to get it. So I have a choice. I can either die on this hill and I will die on this hill. There is no way at this point that this is going to change. Or I can say, not everyone has to live life perfectly in order to be successful. (laughs) Say, right, great. And so my response was, awesome. I'm glad you're covered. Let's move on to the next set of things. 
And part of that is going to be what else do I need to do in order to address the rest of the financial plan, considering that this part of it is not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So we adjust the rest of the plan. And that's another thing that you have to be flexible with is someone's not going to take a recommendation. It can't be my way or the highway. Client is the one that gets to say that. Yeah. Right. And so we have to be flexible in saying this recommendation. Yeah, it was absolutely right. And they're still not taking it. So now I need to come up with a plan B, C, and D. That is not just a sneaky way of getting the recommendation done. Yeah. And I was going to say, do you, in that situation or along a similar vein, like wait for the client to bring it up in the future? Do you kind of table it for a year from now? Just kind of keep it in the back of your head. I'm curious. If it's for something the disability insurance. Yeah, for the disability insurance. Uh, no, I will never. I will only bring it up in my annual calendar when I say, hey, we're reviewing insurances. We've got this disability insurance, the auto insurance, so on and so forth. Here's something that I see that we should look at. It's not going to be the disability insurance, but I will bring up the disability insurance, right? So your income is this, the disability insurance is this, just stating the facts along with a bunch of other things. Say, this is one thing that I do want to talk about, right? Maybe your risk of lawsuit has changed, so we need to change some of your other liability insurance, right? Is there anything that you'd like to talk about? So I'm bringing up the facts and allowing like this massive gap between your earnings and your current <laughs> disability insurance. But I won't say that. I am not going to imply it. <laughs> I'll right? just bring that energy with my entire being to hope that it manifests in them. But that's what you don't want to do. That's what you don't want to do because that's going to shut them down. And right? they'll they'll be able to feel it. I feel yeah. like that's one thing that I have in the past really underestimated is how much. I try to hide something, it doesn't work. Yeah. And mind you, my goal is not to try to get them to say disability insurance. I have, I am just stating the facts about their insurances. If they want to bring it up, great. I have moved past it. I am no longer going to be fighting that recommendation. Instead, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say, knowing that we don't have this disability insurance and it is not going to be I'm, in my mind, this is a person that has tried to get disability insurance now, and all insurance companies have denied them. It is literally not possible to get disability insurance. So now what am I going to do, knowing that this is off the table? If the person says, you know, if the person is resistant to paying down their credit card debt, right? let's do something that is like, what the hell? How are you supposed to deal with that? They've got $10,000 in 25% credit card debt, and they are resistant to paying it down. You've tried all these other things. Okay, let's say that the credit card company has a minimum payment only, no prepayment option on the credit card. <laughs> right. What are you going to do now? So that you, you don't always have in the back of your mind, I'm, I'm going to manipulate this person into agreeing with my recommendation. At some point, you have to say that is not going to happen. And I, as the coach, have to deal with that and figure out what is the next best option. Um, Anything else that you would like to add around the how to navigate when couples fight or argue? Yeah. One last thing, which is stay in your lane. You are not a marriage counselor unless you happen to be a licensed marriage counselor and also doing financial coaching. You are not a marriage counselor. Realize that 
your job is not necessarily to solve all of these fights. And that there are going to be things that are going to be beyond the scope of what you can do as a financial coach, what you can do ethically, and what you can do legally. And don't think that I can solve all of these things. And also don't place that on yourself that you have to be the one to solve them. Right? Heck of a burden. Yeah. And, and so just realize that sometimes other professionals need to be brought in. And in this case, it may be a marriage counselor. Right. I had that part of financial Yeah, I had that where a couple's client, they were doing okay in the beginning. There mm-hmm. were some signs where one was just not very engaged. And then there is one session where it got kind of where it got snippy increasing in that way. And it's just like it got to that point. We're trying to I tried to get them back on track and try to have them feel heard, but they kept interrupting. And so I was just like, I okay, we're going to hit pause for now. I feel like this is the point where I'm honestly not able to be very helpful. and I may be doing more. I can't remember if I said this, but some way of being like, I'm not really helping. In this regard, and I think it's really, really important for you to discuss this with a professional marriage mm-hmm. counselor. So can you like do that and then we can come back to our work? And ultimately they went to the marriage counselor and I didn't we didn't work together again because they kind of were working on separating. Yeah. And so their instances were just like it is beyond your control to fix. And uh, so again, not yours to fix, but even, you know, it's just a lot more than you should be expected to deal with. And so probably in the best interest of the client and your business, if it is that situation, the earlier you recognize it and address it, the better. So you don't take it on and you don't screw it up. Yeah. And don't take that as a failure. You know, it's the, the client that I was talking about before, their financial plan is fine, right? It's not like they're huge. Yes, the disability insurance would have been a more efficient way to manage it, but they are fully covered. The couple that you, that broke up that you described, you didn't fail as a financial coach. <laughs> you that probably would actually help them significantly. And they could be better off as a couple for the work that we did together and for not being together. Right yeah. Now. So, you know, be careful to not frame things as if things didn't go according to the plan that you had originally, whether it's the original recommendation or in your case, the, the working together and we'll be able to figure these things out. That's not a failure. Sometimes the plans that we have originally are not realistic and not right. Cool. Well, thanks as always. This is yeah. fun. And thanks for everyone for the questions that you brought up. There's some really good questions today. Really appreciate those. And if you're watching the replay, go ahead and tag us in any comments that you have, Josh or I, just so that we see them. And we'll be on, I think we are on for next week. Yeah, we still got the schedule working out. So we'll be back on next week at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern time. And uh, be well until then. Take care, everyone. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe so you'll be the first to know when new episodes are released. Uh, It also helps iTunes and everything else know that you liked it and suggest it to other people. And if you can think of one person, a financial coach or someone aspiring to be, who would connect with what we talked about today, share it with them as well. 
If you're ready to take the next step and build your successful financial coaching business, FCN has turnkey resources to help you get clients, work with clients effectively, and run your business efficiently. Head to financialcoachesnetwork backslash start here or financialcoachesnetwork backslash stall if you're Sean Connery. Thank you again for listening and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Financial Coaches Network podcast. Thank you.